Welcome to the Wandering Toward Wisdom podcast. We're continuing this series on Plato, the Sophists, and Christianity. Today we start talking about an issue that may seem dull on the surface, but is in fact perhaps one of the more pressing issues for parents, teachers, and Christian leaders. And that is, can virtue be taught? If not, why? And if it can be taught, then how best to teach it? These questions are important, and they're not easily answered. We begin today by looking at Plato's Mino, in which this very question, can virtue be taught, is asked by a curious Mino, and only sort of answered after a bunch of annoying questions by Socrates. We'll start looking at why whether virtue can be taught is far more complicated than we might think, but also look at hints in Plato and in our personal lives about what kind of teaching might in fact draw us to virtue. Wondering Toward Wisdom is a part of the Tactical Faith Podcast Network. Tactical Faith is a nonprofit run entirely by a group of us volunteers. Please check out tacticalfaith.com for info about us, for blogs, ways to contact us, as well as opportunities to support or get involved in our ministry. If you'd like to ask me or Joel a question, or complain, or even have suggestions or requests for the podcast, email uh, us at wondering at tacticalfaith.com, or you can follow us on Twitter at wonderingwisdom. And in both of those cases, wondering has an underscore where the A or the O would be. So that's wondering at tacticalfaith.com or at wonderingwisdom on Twitter. Enjoy. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are going to shift gears a little bit. We're still continuing on our discussion of Plato, sophistry, and Christianity. Uh, we just finished talking about if you've been if you've been listening, we've just even if you haven't been listening, biscuit conditional. We've been talking about uh, Euthyphro, the Euthyphro dilemma, and the whole question of what does what kind of God do you need to what what kind of God must there be to avoid the Euthyphro dilemma? We got to that in the last podcast. One of the interesting elements about what God must be like to avoid the Euthyphro dilemma is that God must be difficult to describe in a lot of ways. So uh, we went through that a little bit because the good itself, if Plato is correct, and in fact, even if Plato isn't completely correct, but just our understanding of good is as it is, it's difficult to explain and describe what the good is. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to move into a slightly different direction, even though we're still going to have this same sort of theme of difficulty here uh, about the good. We're going to talk a little bit about what does it mean to teach virtue. And from that, we're going to talk a little bit about what virtue is, or at least what it isn't. And then we'll see if we can get into talking about what uh, whether virtue can be taught and maybe how we can do this. How does it apply to education? How does it apply to teaching in the church? So on and so forth. This is going to take more than one podcast, though. So I'm just going to start off the question by by asking Joel, who's here with me, as is the case generally, he's here with me in another state. Can virtue be taught? The short, simple answer is kinda. Um, That's it, very helpful. If we're thinking teaching like what happens in school or college, then the answer is no. But if we're thinking teaching in the kind of way that uh, Jesus taught the disciples by mentoring and living with them and and showing them uh, a way to live, then it, 
it, it can be taught, but that doesn't guarantee it's going to be taught in that, like that, that just because you do it in that way doesn't mean it's going to guarantee that the people are actually going to learn what virtue is. Yeah. I, I think if we look back in our own lives and we think about the people who had the most impact, most positive impact in our lives in terms of develop uh, development of virtue, I'm, I'm not sure they're going to be the same people that educated us in terms of the other things in our lives, you know, everything from, you know, mathematics to technical skills or whatever. Uh, they're not necessarily going to be the same people, or even if they are the same people, it's not, it's not the content of what they taught, but it's something about the way they taught that, that changed right. our lives, not simply the content. Uh, it may have enhanced the content in some way, but it's still sort of different. So probably the first question we should ask, and, and here, I, again, I'm, I'm sort of a, a fan of Plato, as you should have guessed by now, sort of following what, what happens in the Mino, because the Mino is a dialogue by Plato in which the character Mino, who is a fan of the sophist Gorgias, talks to Socrates about whether virtue can be taught. That's the question that Mino once answered. Uh, if you've been, ha if you've happened to have been listening to our podcast since the beginning, we've already had an episode where we went through the Mino in some detail. But I want to apply. It but you should still listen to this one because it's going to be better. Yeah, it, I mean, it's not going to be hard for it to be better. <laughs> well, maybe it'll be hard for us to make it better. But so the uh, we're we're actually going to take this a slightly different route because, and this this could get us into a little bit of hot water. But I, I want to talk a little bit about, I want us to get to the point where we talk about not just Christian education, but maybe even some in relation to, to evangelical or evangelizing and so on and so forth, or maybe how the church tries to manifest and maybe even sort of teach a kind of morality or present its, its view of morality to the world. But specifically questions of does, does educating people make them better people? And does even Christian education make people better people? Or what would that mean? What would, ha what would the education have to look like for it to transform people? And probably the first question we need to ask, which is what Socrates does to Mino, because Mino comes to Socrates at the beginning and says, hey, can virtue be taught? And Socrates, and if you know anything about Socrates, he's really annoying. <laughs> and he says, I don't even know what virtue is. So how can I know if it can be taught? And Mino's like, really? You don't know what virtue is? What are you, an idiot? Uh, let me tell you what virtue is. And then Socrates proceeds to ask him a bunch of questions, and Mino finds out he can't answer what virtue is. And he says it's Socrates' fault. So they, so they start off by saying, <laughs> by saying, well, what, what is virtue? So what is virtue, Joel? That is a great question. I know I asked and, it. Um. It's it's the living life well, such that uh, human flourishing in a deep and meaningful sense can actually occur. That was a great way to not answer the question. <laughs> that is that is exactly what I was going for. <laughs> so I wanted I wanted to answer the question in a way that you know would look good on a on a test, but uh, it's not really going to. Uh, be of much use if you're looking for a hands-on definition. Right. It's in some ways, uh, 
you 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 answered maybe as best people as someone can because you you talked about the effects and what it looks like on the outside to some well not really when you say it's the living life well okay that's that's great everyone but everyone can agree on that the question is what what constitutes living life well yeah right and right. what constitutes flourishing you know all this kind of stuff the greek word for flourishing would be eudaimonia be translated happiness but it's got a really rich sense of something of someone living flourishing is a is a good way to put it it's a good translation you could also think of it as someone kind of as cheesy as this is living their best life, living to the fullness of who they could be their best life yeah. now though. <laughs> so, yeah. So this is, this is, I mean, the, the best way to describe virtue without getting into deep, into deep detail about what it in fact is, is to say virtue is the capacity to live life. Well, okay. But that pushes us another step. What then does it mean? What does then does it mean to live life? Well, what does someone look like? who lives life well. And I don't, I'm not talking about like their hairstyle or whatever, but what, what does it look like when someone is living life well? I, I mean, it all depends who you ask. I think you're going to get different questions, different answers from different people. Uh, you know, some people are going to say, you know, look at Jeff Bezos and all that money he makes, you know, and when he, uh, can make $13 billion in an afternoon or on paper, at least, um, you know, that, that seems to be a a pretty good life that he's living. Um, but on the flip side, you know, he's divorced and, um, you know, he, a lot of people question his integrity. So maybe that isn't the picture that we should be looking at. Um, other people would say, you know, people who have power of other sorts are, you know, are, people that are living life well um other people are going to look at you know people that were never going to know their names but they're people who make a difference in their communities and with their families who lives life well at all depending on how you define that's going to go a long way in who you want to emulate which is going to be a lot about how, what you think is vir- virtue it actually is yeah this is we're sort of stuck in a loop here uh so Mino gives Mino gives some answers that aren't that we might we might think of them as bad but if you really understand them in the right way they're not necessarily as bad as you think they are um initially and so Socrates Socrates asks and Mino gives you know the virtue of a man and the virtue of a woman and also the virtue of a child the virtue of a of a free man versus a slave and all this other kind of stuff which that can get a little awkward but when asked to give a single virtue, a single description of what virtue is as a whole. Mino says this, and this is in uh, uh, the Mino, if you're following along, we'll put the, we'll put the, a link in the show notes so you can follow along. Uh, it's in Mino 73 uh, C or D, right in the midway between those two. Amino says this, what else is virtue but to be able to rule over people? if you are seeking one description to fit them all. The ability to be able to rule over people. Now that sounds initially, and I'm not going to get into Socrates' critique of it, but it sounds initially sort of sort of bad because, I mean, authority over people. But really, what does it mean to live excellently except the, to have the capacity to control the world around you so that things go well for you? So 
Ruling over people may not mean that I'm totally in charge of you, but it means that if I'm trying to purchase something from you, I get a good deal. Um, if you come to hurt me, I can stop you. Uh, better yet, I can get you to like me so that you don't want to hurt me. In fact, you'll be on my side. Uh, I can get uh, scholarships for my children. I can get, you know, they can, they can acquire jobs. I can find good deals because it's not what you know, but it's who you know. This is the kind of, right, this is, if we think about it, this is, this is how, we, how we do things. In fact, even if you're like a pastor, isn't your capacity to be able to direct people toward being better people themselves? Isn't that a sign of being a good pastor, that a bunch of people are coming to your church and people's lives are being changed? Maybe not necessarily because, because of you, but I mean, we might say it's the Holy Spirit. But we know it's because of the leaders in the church, right? Because the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in all the churches, right? I mean, maybe not in one denomination, but... <laughs> but obviously that pastor is a better conduit of the Holy Spirit than... There you go. The pastor down the street. He's, so. he's like a superconductor as opposed to, you know, electrical tape like I am. The capacity to rule over people doesn't necessarily mean being a despot, even though it often kind of it might be something like that. But it is, it is the capacity to, to get the world to go in accordance with what you want it, to how you want it to go. And so virtue, according to Mino, seems to be something like, uh, something like the ability to, it's, it's the ability to be successful. And this is, this is often what we think too, right? Um, if a person's living on the street, they're not virtuous. If the person's driving a Mercedes, it means they've done things right and they're pretty successful. Uh, uh, if it's a stolen Mercedes and the person just got off the street stealing the Mercedes, we may not think that. But the point that there's some they, they they were successful in that moment. That's true. They they didn't go through the pro, the channels we would normally. So, uh, but but the idea is like. It's very difficult, and really, this is one of this is one of the primary issues: is that it's very difficult to determine whether someone's virtuous, because we we all have an idea of virtue, and it has some. It's we know it's deeper than simply the capacity to manipulate the world around us. We know it has something to do with your internal, the order of your desires, the way you're the way you're aimed at the world, and so on and so forth. But we're not really. You can't look inside someone's soul, and so we we have a tendency to rely on external factors. So do they have tattoos? Then they're not virtuous. Do they smoke? Then they're not virtuous. Do they go to church? Well, then they're virtuous, right? I mean, you can, I mean, these, do they cheer for Alabama or Auburn, whichever one you're, you're exactly. not a fan of? <laughs> or if they're like me and don't really care much for football, I'm clearly a sinner and I'm going to burn in hell. For <laughs> but, but the, uh, I mean, I love to play football, but. Uh, maybe not. I don't know if I would like it anymore. So <laughs> it might hurt too much. But the uh, the way that we look at virtue often relies on external markers because we can't see inside people. And particularly as we become more and more individualistic and more and more isolated from one another, we have to rely more and more on external factors. And it gets to the point where those external factors begin to override almost everything. And so these are just sort of general problems. And this isn't really the issue I want to talk about so much. I want to get a little bit 
I want to go go a little more in depth to talk because what is really interesting to me is really what interested Mino and frustrated Socrates about Mino was if if virtue can in fact be taught and and how does one do it? But we have to talk a little bit again a little bit more about what virtue is. So instead of talking about the content of virtue, let's talk about what kind of thing it is. That sounds like a weird thing to say. But it seems like virtue, there are, there are two kinds of things that we can teach in education. So it's sort of getting into the whether it can be taught or not. There are two basic kind of things that, kinds of things that we can teach. One of them seems to be, uh, let's do the most obvious one, is what we'd call technical skills, technical knowledge. The ability to be able to do anything from, you know, rebuild a transmission to uh, knowing when to apply mathematical, certain mathematical, uh, a mathematical formula to a particular problem. So it can be anything from changing the oil to doing calculus to, uh, you know, engineering, you know, doing engineering work to build a bridge to, you know, no, to write a good grant, to, to to write a good grant, to to be able to do research even in a philosophical t- context and understand, you know, be able to construct syllogisms out of, you know, out of uh, prose and all this other kind of stuff. There's 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 those are all te- a kind of technical skill. Is virtue a technical skill? No, well, not <laughs> not entirely. I mean, because because there 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 is an element, you know, we talked we talked about how there's that has something to do with our internal ordering of our desires and all that kind of stuff, but we can teach the kind of things that a virtuous person would do that might influence the those internal desires, um, but we can't. So, and, and part, I mean, Aristotle is, is more famous for saying this than Socrates or Plato, but, um, you know, the whole habituation element of virtue, Mm -hmm. the, um, you, you do the things that a virtuous person does trying to do them in the way the virtuous person does. And it starts to, over time, if you're trying to do them virtuously, you're going to start to see what the virtuous person sees and be able to act in a virtuous way as you do those things to which you've been habituated. Yeah, there's sort of, and C.S. Lewis says something that it's not exactly what uh, what Aristotle was saying, but I think it's similar, and that is, uh, or it's 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 maybe related, and that is, you know, if you if you love if you're supposed to love someone, uh, start treating them like you love them. And you'll start loving them, and you probably end up start loving them. Uh, so if you're waiting for a desire to just arise to love them, well, you're probably going to be, that probably isn't going to happen. But, uh, but if you start treating them as if you love them, love often begins to form. And that can be a kind of habituation, uh, even though I think it's something like related to, you know, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. That is where we invest ourselves. We begin to care about those things. So, you, if you want to care about someone, you act in such a way that you invest in them and then you begin to care about them. And so often we get these things turned around. 
So virtue can be a kind of it can be a kind of technical skill, or at least there's a technical skill in relate in in helping ourselves to develop that virtue. But it's not merely a technical skill. It can't. It, it's not just that. And that's that's troubling because technical skills can be taught and they can be taught clearly. And we can have pretty good. We can have clear uh, ways of testing whether we're educating well in those skills, right? If I'm teaching a technical skill on how to use mathematical formula, or if I'm teaching on how, whether you can develop syllogisms from prose, or whether you can frame a house, there's easy ways to do it. I show you how to do it. I watch you as you do it. I correct you as you as you make mistakes. And then eventually you, you're able to do it yourself. Boom, I've got proof. And we can get a pretty clear success. If virtue were that, we could teach that way. And we, it would be successful. But if virtue is not that, then, well, what else could virtue be? Uh, the other option is virtue could be something like, the thing is, this is still sort of a technical skill, but it's more of a broad capacity to develop your own technical skills. And we could call that prudence or just general cleverness. And that is, instead of being trained in a very specific skill, you sort of have the skill in developing skills. So you come into a new situation, but you've been trained to be able to respond well to new situations and find your way through them well. And so uh, I remember when I was in seminary, uh, uh, there, are a lot of, there are a lot of people who say that the problem with seminary is it teaches you everything except how to be a pastor. And so um, what are the skills required for, for being a pastor? Well, that's really complicated. When I when I took a uh, a course, particularly in pastoral ministry, I remember the the, the professor began the course by saying, uh, within the first five years, you know, half of you will have dropped out of ministry. After, by the next five years, two thirds of you total will have dropped out of the ministry, and half of those who have dropped out will have dropped out because you've committed adultery. And so we're all sitting there going, "Oh, great. Okay, now teach me the skills required to avoid that problem." Well, there's there's not really skills because the problem is each of these situations arise in distinct, weird sort of ways. And the way people, the reason people drop out are complicated. The reason people commit adultery are often a little more complicated than what it might seem. And so uh, prudence is sort of like the ability to adapt to new situations, you might say, or to any situation and apply particular technical skills to those situations. Uh, you could see prudence as basically, I don't know, you think, 2001, a space odyssey, when that, uh, uh, whatever that primate was picked up the bone and realized I can beat, I can beat the tar out of people with this bone, <laughs> right? Boom. That's prudence or cleverness, the capacity to adjust to a situation and create a tool out of something laying there. Um, uh, well, is that, is virtue prudence? Because we might say, well, it's not just a technical skill that you learn. It's also maybe the ability to adjust to new situations. A lot of people think prudence and wisdom are interchangeable, and they're not, by the way. <laughs> I, I mean, there, there is an element of prudence in virtue because the virtuous person doesn't have a little rule book that they go to and say, okay, I'm in this situation, and so this is the thing I'm supposed to do. Uh, the virtuous person does have the ability to uh, evaluate the situation that he or she finds themselves in and act accordingly. Um, 
and act in a virtuous way. And so in that sense, it feels like it has prudence plays an element or plays a role in it, but the, it, it, the way that prudence, prudence seems to be an effect of virtue, not a cause of yeah. it. Or even a tool of virtue. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, virtue, virtue does not, the, 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 the great thing and the problem with virtue at the same time is it makes use of everything. It doesn't, it doesn't mark itself onto a particular territory, into some particular territory of your life. Uh, just like, you know, I don't have this, this area of my life where I'm moral and this area of life where I don't, I don't bother. That's not how virtue works. Virtue, virtue uses, should be involved in such a way in every area of your life. And this makes sense when we understand that virtue means excellence. Virtue means to live your life excellently. Where should you stop living your life excellently? Nowhere. Right? I mean, you should all you should right. always seek and by excellence you don't mean working hard all the time or whatever. You should also vacation excellently, sleep excellently or or whatever. Whatever that means. I'm very bad at sleeping myself. So uh Virtue seems to be more than this and and utilizes all of these things for its sake. So what is virtue? It doesn't seem to be a technical skill, though it uses technical skills and, and can even be benefited, clearly can be benefited by, by, our, by our engaging in technical skills, as well as prudence or cleverness, you might say. But virtue is more than these, different than these. I, I mean... So, so when you go to Sunday school, if the teacher asks a question, you didn't hear the question, the go-to answer is Jesus, and you're going to be right most of the time. With our podcast, if we ask a question and you're not sure what it means, the go-to answer where you're going to be right most of the time is a valuative outlook. <laughs> <laughs> and, and in that, in this situation, it's not wrong. Um, I mean, there's more to it than that, but, but virtue has something to do with the way that you, uh, you perceive the world, uh, and the way you order your values and what you value in the world. Um, it's going to be a, a way to help promote flourishing. Um, and, and I mean that now we're getting back into that problem we talked about earlier, mm -hmm. but, but virtue is a way of seeing the world and based on the way you see the world acting in accordance with, with those perceptions. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's do a quick sort of finishing up of this. We've given a preview of where we're going to go with this. Um, but I want to end, I just want to skip all the way to the end of the Mino and just talk about the ending of it. Cause the ending is very interesting. So the Mino is kind of, if you ever read the Mino or if you happen to want to read the Mino, which I strongly recommend, it's a great, it's a great, uh, dialogue and it doesn't take that long to read. It's split into three sections. The first section is Socrates and Mino just trying to discuss what virtue is. And that ends in uh, what we call and what Plato scholars call aporia, which is it means to be without resource. They can't answer the question. Socrates uh, wants to talk about you know, they can't get, he keeps pushing and finally Mino kind of tries to shut him down with this, what Socrates calls a debater's question where he says, if you don't know something, then how are you going to recognize it when you find it? And if you do know it already, then you don't need to learn it. 
either way, we don't need to pursue knowledge of it because you either know it or you don't. Socrates answers that question by this middle section, which is probably the most famous part of the Mino, where Socrates leads a, a slave uh, boy who doesn't know anything about math, leads him through a series of just asking questions, leads him to find the answer to the question, what is the, si- the length of the side of a square that is twice the area of a two-by-two two square? That sounds complicated, but um, basically saying if you had a two-by-two two square and you wanted to double the area of that, what would be the length of the side of that square? Let's double the area. Uh, the guy gives a few wrong answers and eventually gets the right answer, sort of. But that's because the, the the right answer is an irrational number. It's a square root of eight. But the square root of eight is not the answer. The square root of eight tells you what to do to get to the answer. It doesn't tell you what the answer is because it's an irrational number, which means it can't be reduced to a fraction, which means it's a an infinite non-repeating decimal as far as we know, which means <laughs> he could have given an answer, but to give an exact answer, he would have to speak for eternity, uh, which would be hard to do. So uh, so that's the, that's the middle section. And the whole point of what Socrates is doing right there, by the way, is this guy, who, this, this kid who knows nothing about geometry can eventually answer the question not by being given the answer or being trained in the answer, but by being asked the right questions so that he remembers the answer. And so according to Socrates, the solution to the debater's question of if you already know it, then you don't need to look for it. And if you don't know it, you won't recognize it anyway, is that, well, in fact, we we do know it, but we've forgotten so that when we see it, we recognize it. You see how it comes out in the middle of those two by saying all remember all all not all learning is actually remembering or in the greek it's unforgetting to to unforget um anamnesis and so that not now socrates wants to go back to talking about what what virtue is mino won't let him because mino is sort of a uh as socrates describes him mino is he lacks self-control so he tries to control others which by the way that was mino's first definition of virtue was the ability to control others, right? Or rule over them. Uh, and they go to discuss it. And, and Socrates has to do a different route because he says, I don't, if I don't know what virtue is, I can't really tell you whether it's going to be taught. So we have to talk about whether virtue can be taught without ever really knowing what virtue is. So we got to use the method of hypothesis. And so Socrates says this, he goes, all right, let's, and this is basically, this is basically the third part. Let's look at people who, who are, virtu- who we agree are virtuous or that people usually say are virtuous. Now, if we don't know what virtue is, we can't really say whether they're virtuous or not. Nevertheless, we sort of agree that they are. All right. Now look at their kids because (laughs) surely the most important person for them to teach virtue would be their kids. Well, you got these, these great statesmen who are very successful. Everyone considers them virtuous, right? Even Mino, who's concerned about ruling over people, considers them virtuous because they were states, statesmen. And their, their kids were scum, scumbags. So it doesn't seem vir- like virtue can be taught. Therefore, and the conclusion is something like, well, this isn't exactly the conclusion, but this is sort of the conclusion of the third part, which is the end of the, end of the, uh, end of the Mino. Virtue cannot be taught. It's rather a kind of gift of the gods. You're lucky to get it. You either, you either have it or you don't. And it's purely by 
by grace alone, you might say. Uh, but then Socrates says, and by the way, by the way, that's really frustrating because Mino loves Gorgias, who's a sophist, and sophists pride themselves on being able to teach virtue. So Socrates has done Mino a favor by saying, you, your sophist folks are all full of it. But then Socrates says this. Uh, let me let me jump to the end here. Uh, he says this. Let me just let me just read this uh, this uh, last one of the last things that Socrates says. If we were right in the way in which we spoke and investigated in this whole discussion, virtue would be neither an inborn quality nor taught but comes to those who possess it as a gift from the gods, which is not accompanied by understanding. And this is where he throws a little wrench in the whole thing. He says, unless there is someone among our statesmen, and he says statesmen because he's speaking to Mino and and uh, uh, his friend Anatus, who Anatus hates Socrates and is one of the people who got him killed. But, uh, you know, they think virtue is manifest by becoming a statesman. But he says this, unless there is someone among our statesmen who can make another into a statesman, if there were one, he could be said to be among the living as Homer said Tiresias was among the dead, namely that he alone retained his wits while the others flitted about like shadows. In the same manner, such a man would, as far as virtue is concerned, here also be the only true reality compared, as it were, with shadows. So Socrates says it cannot be taught, but if somebody could teach it, that person will be a lot different than everybody else. And I think when we look back on those who, in fact, encouraged us toward virtue, Weren't they different? Yeah. And they, they didn't go through some sort of education course that taught them how to how to give good lectures and make good PowerPoints or whatever it is that they did. They didn't just make a joke at the beginning of the sermon and then make three application points after throwing some Greek words, Greek or Hebrew words at you. There's something different about the way they did things. What What I would like to do in the next podcast is maybe start getting into a little bit about what's different about Socrates as well as what was different about Jesus. Even though I'm not a biblical scholar, I I can play one on podcasts (laughs) because Jesus was different. People were in awe at him and surprised by how he spoke. And what would it look like then for us nowadays to be the kind of people who train others in virtue? What would it mean for us to preach sermons that, that, that send people that preach sermons, teach Sunday school classes, whatever that encourage people to virtue. And I'm really curious what the answer is. So I could maybe start doing it. That's it for today. For next week, we're going to start hopefully answering some of these questions uh, if we're able. But for now, I'm Travis. I'm Joel. 